start off today, I think it's important for us to um, address maybe uh, what may be the elephant in the room for some of us, which may be the fact that, um, and, and I can say this from a personal experience, is that a lot of us really stink at prayer. Um, and so if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I stink at praying. Like, I am just not consistent. I don't do it well. I don't feel like that I get a lot out of it. The encouragement is you're not alone. In fact, the majority of Christians, I believe, a lot of Christians struggle with prayer. Um, and, and, and a lot of us, we struggle with prayer because uh, prayer, for, for whatever reason, you know, we, we just get to this place where we kind of get alone maybe with God and we start to speak. And then all of a sudden we just, we either don't know what to say or we lose our focus or it just kind of feels very one-sided um, and a lot of that, and, and we really struggle with prayer. And I'm, I'm here to say this morning, like, if that's where you're at, you're not alone. You're in good company. Um, because I think the majority of us probably struggle in one area or another with our prayer life. I'll tell you, I struggle with my prayer life. There are those times. Um, I remember when I was a kid, the struggle was, <laughs> of course, as a kid, you know, you, you procrastinate everything. So prayer was always the last thing before you, you go to bed, right? So I remember as a kid laying in my bed, and I'm like, dear Lord, thank you for today. It was a great. And before I know it, I was out, right? How many of you guys have been there before, right? You start praying, next thing you know, it's like the alarm goes off the next morning. Um, and it's just like, you know. But as I've gotten older, and I've even tried to be more intentional with that, there still sometimes seems to be a a wedge, a block in there at times. There seems to be a distance. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to just being able to focus this time and this attention on prayer, on this thing that, that honestly I'm not that great at and I really want to grow in it because I really believe that prayer should be the bedrock of our faith. It should be the core of who we are as followers of Jesus. Um, it, should, it should be one of the most important things about us. And so today we're going to kind of get into uh, what Jesus gives us, some framework for prayer. Um, Jesus kind of builds in some framework for uh, his, his followers. Before he tells them how to pray, he goes into this how not to pray. And that's really where we're going to go at today. And so I feel like this is probably the most confident I can preach of the entire series because I talk about, we're going to talk about how not to pray. Right, um, and if anything, I feel like I'm probably the best at knowing how not to pray than how to pray, um, and so and so that's kind of where we're headed uh, today. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter six. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter six. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I would encourage you to go ahead and, and turn there, Matthew chapter six, um, and we'll we'll be looking today uh, really at um, verses five through about verse eight. Uh, today and so we'll get there in just a minute. But before we we really get into the heart of how not to pray, um, I think that um, I think it's important for us to think about what are a few of the reasons that we do pray. Um, not not why should we pray, but why do we pray? What are some of those realistic reasons that most of us spend time in prayer or at least attempting prayer? And so I just came up with a few of these. Again, this is not an exhaustive list, um, but this is a few of the reasons that a lot of us probably pray. Uh, one of those, I think, is uh, out of a religious obligation, right? Like, if we're just dead honest today, I think many of us would say, you know, I struggle and I, and I spend time trying to do this prayer thing because I feel like that's what a Christian should do. I've been told somewhere in my journey with Jesus that as a Christian, you should pray. And so that's what I do. I pray. 
That's, if I was dead honest today, that's why. So that I feel like maybe I'm doing the good Christian thing. And I'm spending a certain amount of time or a certain frequency in prayer. So that's number one reason why I think a lot of us pray. Secondly, I think a lot of us pray a lot of times to get God to give us what we want. And so we view God as kind of this eternal slot machine, right? If I just say enough prayers, if maybe I say it the right way, God will give me what I want. So that's my reason for praying is because I want God to give me something. I think that's another reason that we pray. Third, I think a lot of us pray because we want to impress other people with our spirituality, right? And, and so, like, if, if you're used to being in a, in a church environment around other believers, around other Christians, it becomes very common uh, for people to get up and to pray in front of one another. And it's really easy for us sometimes to let our prayers not even be about talking to God, but our prayers are just about impressing other people. We want to fit in with the church culture, and so we, we learn to pray a certain way. Even though, uh, if, we're, if we're honest, we don't even think through most of the words that we're saying. We just kind of string together these phrases. And so I think those are a few of the reasons that we pray. Um, those are, if, if we're just really honest, those are a few of the reasons. But I want us to also focus on why should we pray, right? If, if those aren't the genuine reason that Jesus calls his believers to pray... Why should we pray? And that's really what our series and our time um, looking at Matthew chapter 6 is going to be all about, is, is why should we pray? And so our, our bedrock principle uh, for our time is this idea that prayer is grasping the heart of God. When we pray, when we spend time speaking with our Heavenly Father, it's not for what God can give us. It's not out of some religious obligation or some duty. It's not to impress other people, but it's because genuinely I want to know the heart of my Father. And God says that that is the way that we get to know Him, is through prayer. <clears throat> Spending time speaking to Him. We learn about God from reading His Word, but also from, from talking with Him, from communication, because it's about a relationship, right? And we've probably all said that, right? It's about a relationship with God. How well does a relationship work if there's no communication, right? Not very well. Any of us that are married in this room, right? How well does your marriage go if there's no communication? Not too well. Now, there may be like a day that it may go well, right, if you don't have that communication. But over the long haul, right, if communication isn't a part of your relationship, it doesn't go well. And it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is the vehicle that takes us to the heart of God, Right? Prayer is the way in which we approach. In that song, it said, boldly we approach God, the throne of God, right? Prayer is the, is the vehicle in which we are able to approach the heart of God, to get to know the heart of God. That should be our motivation behind praying. Not what can God give me, not what do I want out of this, but because I truly want to get to know the heart of my Father. And as we're going to see over the next few weeks, as Jesus gives us the model of how to pray, that's really the basis behind how he teaches his followers to pray. He starts out by our Father, right? It's, there's a very intimate, personal um, time that we get to come and get to know the heart of our Father. I love uh, how Pastor Tim Keller, uh, what he says about God. He says, prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know the awe 
of praising His glory, the intimacy of finding His grace, and the struggle of asking His help. All of which, all of those things lead us to know the spiritual reality of His presence. And I think that's the, that's the heart of it, right? If we can know, if we can grasp the heart of God, it's, it, prayer becomes this way that we get to be in the presence of our Father, right? And that's, that's the basis. That's what prayer is all about. And so, so that's why we should pray. Prayer becomes this communication as we build our relationship with our Heavenly Father. I love, I love how the writer of Hebrews says it as he, as he talks about uh, what Jesus did for us and, and what that allows us to do. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Now, now because Jesus did that, here's what we can do. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need, right? Because of what Jesus did, now we can approach our Heavenly Father. We now have access to go and have this relationship, this communication. And so prayer now is that vehicle in which we can approach and get to know the heart of God. And so now we turn our attention to Matthew chapter 6. Right? This is still in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Right? And so as we spent the last eight weeks talking about the Beatitudes and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and last week as we, as we kind of tied all that together and we said, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it's about being salt and light in a dark world. Right? That we're going we're gonna to both be salt and light. And Jesus continues that conversation. He kind of continues to flesh that out. Um, over the rest of chapter 5, he talks about how, so much about how the law said you need to do this, but yet I say you need to do this. Um, the law would say that you need to live this way, but yet I say you live this way. And so as we get to chapter 6, Jesus then continues in that, and he, and he begins by teaching his disciples what it means to pray. Because I have a feeling much like us today, the disciples in Jesus' day probably struggle with prayer too. Um, they probably struggled as well, which is why Jesus taught them how to pray. But before, just like a good teacher, before you teach your kids, uh, sometimes the right way to do things, you also have to tell them what not to do, right? You got to teach them about the wrong things that they shouldn't do. And so this is, this is kind of where Jesus comes to. And so uh, in Matthew chapter six, starting in verse five, I'm just going to read the passage and then we're going to go back and we're going to kind of break this down chunk by chunk. Verse 5, um, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they, re they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask. And so Jesus is going to tell us how not to pray, right? How not to pray. And he starts out there in verse 5 by telling us the first way we shouldn't pray. And the first way not to pray is by not praying. Notice how he starts out. He says, and when you pray, 
right? There is an expectation that as followers of Jesus that we pray, right? There's an expectation. Jesus expects that his followers are going to pray. And I think we all come into prayer with a thousand reasons why we can't pray, don't we? Um, and some, some of those may be this, right? Well, we don't know how to. Maybe we're busy. We get easily distracted. Uh, we're in, it's an embarrassment that makes us want to hide if we're asked to pray in front of other people. Um, we don't see answers to our prayers. Maybe we feel self-sufficient. Maybe we're, we're experiencing some doubt. We all have these reasons why we don't pray. But Jesus, as he, as he says this to his followers, there's an expectation that his disciples would pray. His followers would spend time seeking God. And so for us today, right, as followers of Jesus, uh, the, first, the first way that we need to address our prayer is the fact that we are expected to pray. That God would have that communication. God expects to have communication with his followers. And so depending on where you are in life and where you are in your prayer life, maybe today, like the most important step you're going to take today is just by committing to praying to God. You're just going to start by setting aside time uh, and space in your life to start speaking with God. I can tell you for, for me, a lot of, a lot of time, that's the bit, the biggest part of praying is just setting, setting aside that time and that space, right? That I'm just going to, I'm going to block out the distractions. I'm going to get away. I'm going to get somewhere where there's not all this stuff going on so I can actually speak to my heavenly father. For some of us, it may mean carving out time in our schedules, right? Like some of us, we're planned out in every aspect of our life, right? Like we have calendars and we have digital calendars and we have calendars for our calendars, right? Uh, I know some of you guys in here, Trina, where are you at? Some of us make notes upon notes upon notes upon notes, right? Like, what would it look like if we just, in our, in our planner, in our day planner, on our calendar, that we just, we put God in there as an appointment, right? That we just put time aside in our day to spend with God. That could be a very important step in order for us to be able to spend time. Because I think for most of us, it's not that we don't want to pray a lot of times. It's just that we don't do it. We don't set aside the time. Life happens. Schedules happen. Busyness happens. And so we need to set that time aside so that we get to spend some time with our Heavenly Father. So the first way of how not to pray is by not praying. Secondly, right, Jesus says, don't pray for your glory, right? It's not about your glory. When you pray, it's not about your glory. In verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. I think one of the questions that I start asking ourselves is this. Are you the same in your private prayer life as you are in public? When somebody asks you to pray in front of other people, does your language change? Or is it just an overflow of what's already happening in that intimate time alone with God? Right? Because that's what Jesus is addressing here. He's saying that there's this group of people, and their whole reason for praying is just to impress other people. Right? And so they do all these elaborate things and say all of these big words in order to impress other people. But when you're alone with your Heavenly Father, is that the same way you pray when you're, that, is that the same as when you're asked to pray in front of other people? 
You see the hypocrites, um, this word hypocrite, we're, we're pretty familiar with that in our context today. But, but where that word came out from was really, uh, the original meaning of that word was just uh, one who answers. That's really what the word hypocrite means, is one who gives an answer. Um, and then it became known for Greek actors. As they would act in a play, those who would wear a mask were called hypocrites. Right? They would put on this mask and pretend to be somebody that they're not. And now today this phrase hypocrite has now turned into this idea of someone who's a pretender who is intentionally trying to deceive someone. Who says one thing with their words, but then their lives are lived very differently. I love how, how William Barclay, how he says this. He says, a hypocrite is like a clean glove which hides a dirty hand. He acts as if he is good, but he isn't. A hypocrite preaches by the yard, but practices by the inch. A hypocrite prays on his knees on Sunday and prays on his neighbors on Monday. A hypocrite is a man who lets his light so shine before men that they can't tell what is going on behind him. See, a hypocrite is all about their words, but yet their life doesn't back it up. And that's what Jesus is addressing here. He's addressing these hypocritical people who spend their time and their effort preaching and praying in front of people just to gain their attention. And I think before we get too critical of the hypocrites, we have to realize that sometimes we do this as well in our lives, right? We're asked to pray in front of people, and all of a sudden we start to use these very elaborate, big words that we don't use the rest of the time, right? We, we try to put together these phrases and these things because we feel like we want to impress people. But yet, at the heart, we realize that when we're alone with God, our time with God is not the same. And so Jesus is giving warning. When you pray, don't pray like that. Don't focus on other people. Prayer should not be about gaining the respect or the attention of other people. But it's about grasping the heart of your Heavenly Father. You see, when he talked about the hypocrites... All the commentators agree that he's really talking about the Pharisees, right? These people who are all about what happens on the outside. All concerned about following all of these ritualistic rules and obligations, about giving money for intended purposes. And, and, and they would go out and they would pray on the street corner so that people would take note of them. And they were, they were very strenuous in their following of the law so that they would get the attention. And Jesus is addressing their self-righteousness. And Jesus is coming and saying, don't be like that when you pray. You see, I, if I'm honest with, with, our, with our body this morning, I'm probably the most likely person to be in this category, right? Because God has put me as, as the leader in this church in, in a place that I pray in front of people. And I'm just going to speak just candidly from my heart that that is a temptation that happens. Right? It's very easy sometimes for me to get up here and pray uh, because I've, I've been to school and because I know certain phrases that I can make it sound like everything's great in my time with me and the Lord. And it's really easy to pretend and to fake that. Right? And so uh, I just wanted to say that as, that as, as this is hitting you, is probably hitting me the hardest because, because that's something that God is just speaking to me about is that when we get together and we pray and we have the opportunity just to speak to our Father, right? That we just need to be honest where we're at. We don't need to try to put on all of this fluff and these elegant words that try to make us look better. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a few more minutes together. 
And I want us to reflect on this, right? So maybe you want to write this down in your journal. Uh, maybe you want to start another little line in your journal. Just have a few more for minutes to talk about this. I have been a hypocrite, and then I want you to finish that sentence. Because I think if we're honest, like we, we all have those areas that we've been somewhat hypocritical, where we've, we've let our words say one thing, but our lives are reflecting something different. Our heart is not in the same place. And so what is that for you? And this is just kind of a, a time for you to set aside to speak with God. And so we're just going to take a couple minutes um, for you just to have that time to reflect on in what ways have you been hypocritical um, in your time with God and maybe in front of other people. So hopefully that they give you a little bit of time to, to start to reflect on your own heart in this. Now, it's important to realize that Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't pray in public. That's not what he's talking about here. In fact, Jesus, there are plenty of places that, that, that Jesus tells his disciples that they could pray together. Or, In fact, it was even a common practice of the Jews that they would publicly set times aside that they would pray together. So that's not what Jesus is addressing here, right? He's, he's addressing the heart of that, right? When my prayer life is all about impressing other people. Um, when it's trying to get other people to to turn the attention from God and to look at me and to think better of me, that's not what prayer is all about. And and I think we do this, and I think sometimes we do this even genu- genuinely. We we you know we we try to to impress people not necessarily um, not necessarily because we want them to think better of us, but sometimes we just want to fit in. And so we just, we just pick up phrases or we just say things that we also know are not really what's happening in our hearts. And what Jesus is, is, is wanting his followers to get is that when we speak to our Father, we just need to be honest about where we're at and just speak with words of honesty of where we're at in our relationship with him. I think God is, is, is much more pleased with the prayer that says, God, help me, I'm struggling right now to talk to you and to know you and to, and to spend time with you than, than stringing together some elaborate words that we don't really mean. I think that's really what Jesus is addressing here. Uh, I love it how, how one person said it. He said, Multitudes assemble themselves in churches, not out of a heart of love and devotion to God, nor because they recognize a sense of obligation to come together with God's people around his word to fellowship with the Father. They gather together to maintain an image, a reputation before men. They go through empty forms of worship, devoid of reality. They are there to impress men, and the Lord said that they will get what they want. They will have their reward, but not from God, right? And that's, and that's the, the last part of this warning is that Jesus says when you live this way, right, you already have received your reward, right? When you get the praise of men, when people look at you and they lift you up in their eyes, that's your reward, right? And you're missing out on the greater reward that comes from the Father. You're missing out on the greater reward of a genuine relationship with your Heavenly Father. And so Jesus is is warning his followers, don't pray like that. Don't be like these hypocrites, right? But then Jesus gives the application, right? How should we do it then? Right? In verse 6 he says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Right? This is not saying that, again, that, that they can't be a public prayer, but there is something about praying to your Father. Right? There's something about getting alone and spending time 
with your heavenly Father. And then your public prayer should be an overflow of that private time with your Father. It reminds me of a story I heard of a guy. This is, this is many, many years ago, back when they had phone booths, all right? How many of you guys remember, you guys ever used a phone booth, right, way back in the day? Uh, so teenagers, that was before cell phones, uh, and people had to put things called coins, right, in them to make a phone call. Um, but the story goes that there was this gentleman, and he was visiting another country, and he, and he goes into this phone booth, um, and, and it's, it's, it's getting dark, and he can't see... Uh, the numbers on the phone uh, to punch to dial his phone number, and he's he's trying to figure it out, and he's just puzzled because there's no light in this phone booth. And um, and so after he spends a few minutes just kind of trying to figure out how to how to how to see any, you know, of course, obviously that was before cell phones and flashlights on your phone and all that sort of stuff. He goes across the street to the shop, and and he says, uh, "Excuse me, sir, I think that that phone booth is is broken. I can't see the light." And in the in the um, and, you know, the owner of the shop says, well, well, you have to shut the door in order for the light to come on. And so the guy walks back over across the street and, and he goes in and he shuts the door and absolutely the light comes on, right? And I think it's the same way sometimes is that when we shut ourselves away from the world for a moment and can focus on God, the light comes on for us spiritually, right? Um, because I think if we're really, really honest, sometimes that can be the scariest thing, which is why we avoid it right? It can be really scary just to get alone with God. Because when we don't have other people speaking in in that moment, and when it's just us and God, our relationship with God becomes really obvious in that moment, right? If we're struggling with our relationship with God, and it's just quiet, it's going to feel really quiet in that moment. And I think that's why we avoid getting alone with God sometimes, right? If there's something in our lives that's not lining up with how God would have us to live and we get quiet with God for a little while and we just listen to what he has to say with us, it usually comes out in that moment that there's things that need to change in our heart. And so we struggle. I think that's why we avoid that. But yet Jesus says that don't be like those that just go out to the street so that other, every people, everybody can see them, but get alone privately, intimately with your heavenly father. And to seek him. So maybe a, an important question to ask ourselves this morning is that if no one were to know that you prayed, would you still pray today? Right? Not your family, not your friends, not the people here at church. If no one knew that you were going to pray today, would you still do it? Is that your heart? Do you genuinely want to know your father and your creator? And I think that's the heart that we should have as we go into prayer. And so maybe for us, the first step in that is just going to be praying. Like, like we said, we're going to set aside that time, and we're also going to just get away and just start to have that conversation with God. We're going to start to have that heartbeat with God. I love how the author of Psalm 27, the psalmist says it in Psalm 27, verse 4. He says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Right? I think that should be our heartbeat when we get alone with God. Just that I may seek, I may spend all my days seeking God. That I can get away and get to a place where I can just spend time getting to know my Heavenly Father. And that's what prayer is, essentially. It's not about the words that you say. It's not about trying to impress other people. But it's getting to know the heart 
of your Father, the heart of your Creator. And so in in Jesus' warnings of how not to pray, he says, first and foremost, the best way not to pray is to not pray, right? Secondly, don't do it for your glory. But then third, in in verse 7, he's going to say, don't do it for your gain. Don't do it for your gain. And I want to preface that with prayer, prayer can be to our benefit, but that should not be our main intention in going into prayer, right? Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. He says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Right? I think there's a, a common belief among us as Christians that if we just say the right words, or maybe we say them in the right order, that God will give us what we want. Like, I can somehow control the creator, the God of the universe, by praying a certain way or a certain prayer. If I just pray enough, God will give me what I want. And in fact, there are churches and there are, there are people out there that are preaching that message. That if you just have enough faith, God will give you whatever you want. Because God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and, and all of these other things, right? And that's a lie, right? God does want us to enjoy the sweetness of Him and the good things that He brings. But that is not our primary purpose in praying. And the God of the universe cannot be controlled by us praying certain phrases in certain ways. And that's what Jesus is warning about here. And so as we think about our prayer life, are we praying to try to gain something from God or to get to know Him? Right? I think that's the question that we ask. Are we trying to gain something from God or are we trying to get to know Him? John Stott, um, uh, one of the... One of the One of the commentators I love to read, he says this. He says, prayer is not a convenient device for imposing our will upon God or or bending his will to ours, but the prescribed way of subordinating our will to his, right? It's not about trying to get God and control God to do what we want to do. It's about changing our heart and our intention to what God has for us to do. That's what prayer is all about. Soren Kierkegaard um, said it this way. He says, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. I love that. I love that thought, right? Prayer is not about trying to change God, but it's about trying to change me. And Jesus, as he warns here, as he says that there are people, and he, and he here specifically talks about the Gentiles, right, who try to get God to give them what they want by doing these things. And so he says, first of all, he says they think that God will hear them if they just heap up these empty phrases, right? He is emphasizing that prayer is not a matter of just speaking certain words, but it's about a relationship. You see, I think a lot of times we come to God in prayer like he is this genie in a bottle, right? Like he's this magic genie in a bottle, kind of like, kind of like this. I'm going to flash back, back to my childhood for a minute. Um, and, and I think this is a picture of how we treat God a lot of times. But isn't that like, honestly, isn't that somehow how we, <laughs> what is happening? We're going to big church. Great. <laughs> um, isn't that how we approach God though sometimes with our prayers, right? Like we think if, 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 if we just say the right phrases, right? If we just kind of say the right words, God will give us what we want. Like he's some, some, somehow a, a genie and, and we control the God of the universe, Right? And that's what Jesus is warning about. 
is that it's, it's, it's not about us controlling God, right? I think about these, these empty phrases, right? And I, I think just one of the ways that we do this a lot of times, and I can kind of poke fun at it because I do it myself, um, is just think about for a minute the way that we pray, all right? A lot of times we start out in prayer, right? And we use every title we know for God in, in, the, in the course of like one sentence, right? So we start our prayers out and we're like, Dear Lord God, Heavenly Father, Most High, Eloquent Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for this day. Who talks like that, right? Um, and we, we just kind of use these elaborate phrases because maybe we heard somebody else say them at some point in our life. Maybe we just feel like that, you know, if we use the right words, God will actually listen to us, right? If we use the right combination of phrases that God will somehow uh, give us what we want. And that's not what Jesus says prayer is supposed to be about. Right? This isn't how we address God. This isn't how you address somebody you're in a relationship with. Right? I mean, think about it for a minute, right? Think about your spouse. Like, if I showed up at home, right, and I was like, Nicole, sweetie, darling, baby, honey, (laughs) wife, Nicole, Renee, Revis, Bibbs, the love of my life, right? What's she going to be like? She'd be like, you're buttering me up for something. What did you spend? Right? What did you do? Right? And I think it's the same way with, with, with our relationship with God. Why do we come into it? And, and try to use all of these big, eloquent words that really have no meaning behind them, right? We call him Lord, but yet as we live out our lives, we're not following him, right? We, we call him all of these titles and all these names, but yet our lives don't live up to that. And so Jesus says, don't be like that. Don't be like the Gentiles, he says, right? Because the Gentiles did not believe that you could have a personal relationship with their gods, Right? But they, they figured out that they had to persuade their God. Essentially, the Gentiles and the pagans believed that if they just annoyed their gods enough and continued to pray and to, to, to speak out to their gods, that their gods would just get so annoyed with them that they would actually give them what they wanted. And so Jesus says, don't be like that. Your Father in heaven loves you. And he wants an intimate relationship with you. And so we don't need to speak to God in that way. They thought that their endless prayers and repetitions and many words would somehow inform the gods of their needs. You see, we serve a God who already knows everything that we need before we even ask it, right? I love, uh, I love the story in 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, it's the story of Elijah, Elijah um, and, and the prophets of Baal. You guys probably may be familiar with that story um, and how they were basically going to have this competition, right, of, of whose God was the true God. And I never picked up on this point before uh, until I was studying for this message. Um, But starting in verse 25, listen to how the prophets of Baal approach their God. Starting in verse 25, it says, Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bowl and prepare it, for you are many. And call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. Verse 26. And they took the bowl that was given to them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. They said, Old Baal, answer us. And there was no voice and no one answered them. And they limped around the altar, right, that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry loud, for he is God. Either he is musing or he's relieving himself. And he is on a journey. Or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their customs with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And at noonday, uh, I'm sorry, and at midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of of oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. 
right? They believed if they would just continue to scream out and yell these phrases that their God would somehow answer them. That's not the God that we serve. We don't serve a God that we have to say certain words or endless phrases, but we serve a God who wants to know us and have a relationship with us, right? It's not about the words that we say, right? And it's not just about meaningless rep, uh, repetition, right? Jesus says they think that they will be heard for their many words, but yet God wants to know our heart. He doesn't care about the words that we say. God is interested in quality, not quantity of word. He's interested in truth, not in length. And I think that's important for us to realize. Uh, before we enter into looking at how to pray, that we realize that it's not about just piling together these empty phrases or the empty words. And so let me ask us again. Are we praying to gain something from God or to get to know Him? Right? Are we just piling up empty phrases are we truly getting to know the heart of God? Throughout, throughout our time together, I want us to, to think and to be intentional about how we pray. Uh, I think that's a part of it. I want us to, to, to recognize the words that we say when we pray to God. And I want us to say them because we mean them, not just because, because we've been taught to say this word or say that word, right? And so one of those that I want to look at is a lot of times when we pray, right, We'll pray and we'll say, in Jesus' name, amen, right? Pretty common way to end our prayers, right? Um, and we're, we're pretty familiar with that. But it's important that we realize and we think through what we're saying when we pray that, right? That it just doesn't become these empty phrases, right? And so when we pray in Jesus' name, we're essentially claiming solidarity with Jesus, right? When we pray and we say that it's in Jesus' name, we're saying that, you know what? We're coming as one with Jesus, and we are identifying with him and acknowledging his mission in our lives, right? That's what it means when we pray and we say, in Jesus' name. So what I want us to do is I want us to take a few minutes, okay? Um, and I want us to think about that for a minute. Think about how we need to adjust our lifestyles, our motivations, and our thoughts, our thought process, in order to truly begin to pray in Jesus' name. Think about our lives. Think about those things that need to change in our lives so that when we pray and we say phrases like, in Jesus' name, we actually mean them. We actually mean that my heart and my intentions are the same that Jesus tells me in his word. So let's just take a couple minutes, and I want us to reflect on that personally for, for a couple of minutes, and then we'll come back and finish up the rest of this passage. Jesus says in, in verse 8, says, don't be like them. Don't be like those that just heap up these empty phrases. So don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Right? Just think about that for a minute. Right? When we pray, we ask God for things, we're not, telling, we're not praying to inform God of something that He doesn't already know. But yet, how many times do we pray that way? Well, God, let me just tell you what I need. Right? God, let me just, let me just tell you, here's some things that I need, right? And, and, and we just kind of come to God with this list of things that we need and we want in our life, right? But Jesus says, don't pray like that. When we pray, we're not informing God. He already knows what we need, right? So people say, well, well why would you pray then, right? What's the purpose of praying? Well, for those of us that, that may have kids uh, or parents in this room, you know that, you know, when, when your kid comes to tell you something, it's, it's not necessarily that they're coming to tell you something that you don't know, right? 
You know, most of the time when my, when my boys, they come to tell me something, they're not coming to tell me brand new information I didn't know, right? But because I have a relationship with them, because I love them, because I care for them, I want to know what's happening in their life. I want to have that communication with them. And that's what Jesus' prayer is about. It's not about telling God something that he doesn't already know. It's not about trying to manipulate God to give him something, to get something that we want. It's about the communication that we spend with our Heavenly Father. And so through prayer, um, so through prayer, we get to know the heart of God and we get to share what's happening in our lives. We get to share those things that we need in our lives. Now notice that it says that your Father in Heaven knows what you need, right? It doesn't say what you want, right, which is what we think a lot of times, but it says what you need. And I think that's the hard part sometimes is that we have to realize that a lot of times God knows what we need, which is more important than a lot of times what we want. Um, and, and so we struggle, I think, sometimes when we're praying for something, but yet God doesn't answer the prayer the way we think that he will. Um, a lot of times it's because God knows what we need more than just what we want. So as we come back around this idea, right, of prayer and, and thinking about prayer and and really grasping the heart of God, because um, that's really that's really where we're going to spend our time. Um, starting next week, we're going to start going through the Lord's Prayer, and as Jesus teaches us how to pray and what it means to pray, and, and how do we how do we model that? How do we live that out? It's important that we understand first and foremost how not to pray, right? And so my heart is that during this this time during this series that we can just come to God honestly on our faces, right where we're at, right? Not that we're trying to impress anybody else in this room. Um, not that we're trying to get God to just answer our prayer request. But we just come out of a heart of wanting to have a genuine relationship with God. That we're coming out of a place of really just trying to grasp and to get to know the heart of God. So I want us to kind of conclude with this, with this, uh, with this story that I heard. Um, there was a group of scientists, um, and this was, this was back in 1974, and they thought that they wanted to, to direct their thoughts and intentions toward heaven. But yet it wasn't toward God, right? But they believed that if they would send a message up into the galaxy, that some other life form would hear it. And so in 1978, this group of scientists, right, they got this special technology, and they beamed a message to a cluster of stars on the outer edge of the galaxy. But they realized that even if the signal was picked up, they estimated that it would take 48,000 years for an answer to come back. Right? This is something that, this is a true story of what happened. Yet, as Christians, a lot of times we, we think that this effort is ridiculous and destined to fail. But yet, those scientists were serious about their efforts to contact another world. However, as children of God, we miss the opportunity to get in touch with a heavenly creator who loves us and wants to spend time with us, right? You know, we sit back and we look at those scientists and we say, man, they were so foolish, right? Sending a, sending a message up into the stars, hoping to get an answer from some sort of alien or something else, right? Yet we know that there is a loving heavenly father and we don't even take opportunity to spend time with him. And so as, as we kind of wrap up today, as we kind of wrap up these warnings of what Jesus has said, how not to pray, I want to encourage us this week that we would pray, that we would spend time speaking to our Heavenly Father, 
And so maybe for us this week, right, maybe just realistically a goal is that we're going to set five minutes aside every day just to spend time talking to God, right? And this doesn't have to be like a a regimented, um, like, you know, thing where we have to say certain phrases, but maybe we're just going to say, you know what, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to take five minutes and I'm just going to let God know what's happening in my life and ask him to speak to me, right? Maybe I'm just, I'm not going to be so focused on telling God so much of what I need, but more of just letting him know what's happening in my life, more of just building that relationship with him, more of just spending that time getting to know the heart of my heavenly father. And I think if we do that, I think we're not only are we going to get better at praying and we're going to be more consistent in that, but this interesting thing happens. When you start to pray to God and you start to spend time with God and you start to get to know his heart, right? The more and more you desire to spend more and more time with him, right? The more and more, right? Most of us, we don't like spending time with people we don't know, Right? But when we get around people that we know and we have a relationship with, and, and a lot of us in this room can, t- can tell you that from, from, from the truth, we can spend the whole day together, right? We can spend hours together because we enjoy that relationship and that time together. And I think it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. The more and more we spend time with Him and we get to know Him, the more and more we're going to desire and want to spend time with Him. And so I, what I would like us to do is just corporately today as, as we kind of wrap up, um, I want us just to corporately pray together um, and just thank God uh, that we can come to him, that we can pray to him. And I want us just to pray together that God would help us to avoid these pitfalls, these, these ways of how not to pray, that God would help us in our time of prayer that we wouldn't be focused on all of these things, but we would be focused on getting to know him. So if you would, I would just ask you to join with me this morning as we just cry out to our Father, God, God, we want to be a people who pray. God, we we want that. God, I, I know the hearts of the people in this room, and I know that we desire to know you more, to know you more deeply, and God, just to God, just to to experience you to the full. God, I, I just want to cry out alongside of, of those of us in this room that to just ask, God, that you would give us more of you. God, help us to know you more. God, help us to, God, just to, God, make that commitment in our lives. God, personally, me, God, I am asking that you would help me to make that commitment to spending that time with you. God, to put, to put aside those other things, those, even those good things that you give me, just to spend time with you. God, I pray that I pray that I, I wouldn't just God come to you just so that I would have something to say to people or to somehow impress a group of people, God, but that I would get to know you, that I would get to know your heart and get to know your character and get to know you through spending time just talking to you. Father, I pray that I, I wouldn't just put together phrases and, and treat you like somehow that if I just put the right combination together that you'll answer my prayers, God, but that I would get to know your heart, God, that I would, I would pray because you already know. God, you're our Father. You love us. You already know what we need, God, and so you just want to hear from us. God, I pray that would be my heart. I pray that would be our heart this week, God, as we endeavor to spend time with you and to get to know you. God, I also just want to pray as we go forward, 
in our study of, of how your son Jesus taught us to pray. I, I pray that we would, God, I just ask that we would uh, genuinely be changed in the way that we seek you. God, give us a heart to know you and to love you. God, I love you. We thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name, God. We pray this, God, knowing that our lives should, should match the life of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.